Well, thanks, Kathy. Great reading to have uh, in front of us. Uh, you can hear the themes already, forgetting what's behind, looking forward to what's ahead. Uh, that's kind of the vibe that we're going for tonight as we uh, spend some time in God's Word. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and uh, we'll, we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious time at the end of the year on the pivot of uh, one year into the next. We pray, Father, that you might guide and direct us tonight, uh, that by your Holy Spirit active here, you might be preparing and equipping us to live a year that will be for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, New Year's Eve, fantastic. Here we are. Um, has anyone made a commitment to make a commitment to New Year's resolutions? No. Has anyone decided they want to do New Year's resolutions? Are you going to make any? No. No. Anyone? No. Well, I'm going to help you tonight with that deficit. We're going to try and make some tonight, or at least I'll give you the homework to do it. Uh, this is the sort of New Year's resolution that you get if you kind of go in um, Instagram world, right? Okay, so this is, this is high learning. This is the peak and pinnacle of our culture. Uh, here we have... Uh, do more of what makes you happy. At one level, that sounds all right, doesn't it? Do more of what makes you happy. That, that's not a bad resolution. Um, the, the problem is, uh, what makes me happy might be, uh, particularly in the Christmas season, I don't know, it might be fruitcake. Uh, it might be uh, pavlova. It might be chocolate. What, what is your thing that you love at this time of the year? Um, if you do more of that, uh, do more of what makes you happy, uh, it has some implications, doesn't it? Uh, eventually, uh, we'll start to show, we'll manifest uh, the outcome of uh, seeking more of what makes us happy, and um, it'll make us, uh, there'll be more of us to be happy, I guess, would be, uh, would be the reflection. Um, it'll have some impact on us. Just not showing. On me? Yes, I, I'm trying not to uh, do more of what makes me happy, Jeff. Um, and my writing does help me in that regard. But anyway, so okay, so here's the thing. Um, if we just went with what makes us happy, we will become misshapen and will become unwell. And oh, look, I think uh, when, it becomes, when it comes to eating, the implications are just immediately evident physically on us. But I, I want to ask you, could it also be, could we also be flabby morally? Could we be flabby spiritually? Could we be flabby physically? We've talked about that. But my thing would be, when, when I can see my body jiggling a little bit. I, I, I get a sense where I go, that's not okay, right? I should do something about that. But I think that we're quite blind to the moral and the spiritual aspect of when we get out of shape. Yeah? And doing more of what makes us happy, I might not actually be, in the end, very good at knowing what's good for me. And so I'd like to say, what if seeking happy isn't good for us? What if we just purely give ourselves over to our desires? What if that isn't good for us in the end? Maybe the opposite would be better. Instead of indulging myself endlessly, maybe the opposite would be better. Let me give you an example. We could pursue this path. Everyone's looking going, what on earth is that? Well, this is somebody who's called an ascetic, and, and no, you probably can't read that, but the idea of being an ascetic is that you have severe self-discipline. So you, Owen's onto it already. Good, mate. All we need now is a little bit of clay on you, I think. So don't wash for about the next month, and you, your face will need to beard up a little as well, mate. But, um, but so, so here's the thing. The idea of the aesthetic is I discipline myself severely in order to advance myself spiritually. 
right? So this approach is, I guess, like that. Does, does that, will that be a good path for us in the year ahead? Severe personal discipline. I think we can agree, okay, maybe not. <laughs> I don't think that's for us. Would that be fair? I don't think that path is really for us. So why is that? Why does either self-love, where we just feed me everything that would make me happy, or self-loathing, beat myself up to make myself better, why is it they fail? Well, let me, let me give you a, a suggestion. I think the problem with, um, I'm going to this year, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to... The problem with that is the model of self-love or self-loathing has something at the centre. Me. It's all about me. I am going to, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to... It's all about me. The focus is on me. I, I remember walking through the airport at Sydney um, one, one, uh, one afternoon and you know they have those massive billboards in there. It said, it was an ad for um, a fitness place and it said... Your body is a temple, worship it. That was the ad. Now, normally I have photos of these things because I see them and I go, that's so ridiculous, it's going to be useful in a sermon at some point. I didn't, I didn't get it down. But that's what it said, your body is a temple, worship it. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? Because the focus is totally here. The Bible has a totally different approach for us. Here's what the Bible says is the path that we should take. It's actually right worship. It's actually taking us from the center and making someone else more important than us. That someone is God. So if we want to start a new year with a set of priorities right, rather than turning ourselves in on ourselves and saying, I'm going to deny myself or indulge myself, I want to tell you, I'm going to turn myself to God. Someone bigger and better for me. Someone bigger and better for me. You see, Jesus puts it this way in, uh, in John 10. He says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan. I have come, he says, that you may have life and have it to the, to the full. The, the way to the full life is not by pursuing happiness, but by pursuing Jesus. So Jesus promises us a better way. He promises life to the full, but what he does not promise us is happiness. He does not promise us happiness. He promises instead life to the full. And so it was a beautiful prayer, Kate. Uh, thanks for leading us just before. But uh, that you found and appropriated. Okay, very good. But it was a beautiful prayer in that it acknowledges, God, you might not have given me just happiness this year, and yet I have found a better way by living with you. See, in the end, I think there's a collective kind of delusion that happens at this time of the year. And it's a, um, it, I don't know, it's very strange. We, we have decided that there's a magic in your calendar. There's a magic in your calendar. Okay. Have you, have you thought of this? Okay. You will now believe when it gets to tomorrow, new you can break out of old you. You're going to make some resolutions, right? And you're going to never, and you're going to not, and you're going to always, they're always the language of uh, resolutions, aren't they? I will never, again, I'm going to always, every morning I will, I don't know, whatever it is. And so what we decide is because the calendar clicks over one day, all of a sudden a new you is going to emerge, which I think is fabulous, but also highly unlikely. Because if a new you was going to emerge, guess what? A new you could have emerged six months ago. You could be six months into whatever resolution that you wanted to make. And I would ask, is anyone 12 months into a resolution they made last year? 
uh, let the podcast note deafening silence. Here's the thing. If New Year's resolutions worked, you'd all be 12 months into them, wouldn't you? Fantastic. I think the problem is, what we tell ourselves is that you can turn over a new leaf. You take the book of your life, you turn over a new leaf, and it'll be new and different and wonderful on the new leaf of the book of our life. And all I'd say to you is, that book has a lot of history that shapes who you are today, and most of us won't turn over a new leaf and write something new on it. We'll write the old thing on another page. Instead, what we're offered today is something much better than that. There's one way to start afresh where God offers us a new story. It's when we make Jesus central for us that we get the chance to start afresh, that we get a brand new start, that we can be a new creation. So if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you, you have had a fresh start. You have been given a new story, a new book, and you can write something new in it. And tonight I want to look at what can we write in our new story that will be for God's glory. So let's think. I've got three guidelines for what we might write in the book, okay? And they're very difficult illustrations. Kids, if you've got Caring Connect cards, you might like to draw them on the back as we go through this, okay? Because they're very difficult. Now, I'm not sure. They're very, they're very difficult illustrations, so you might not be quite technical enough to do it, but I want you to take the challenge, okay? Here's the first one. The first way to live the new story that God has for us is this. Now, can you see that? Is that a hard illustration? Very hard, Owen, isn't it? Uh, You probably don't see any of these made on your work, but that's a cross. That's for when you get things wrong. What, What it's saying is the first part of God's new story is to deny yourself. While you keep yourself at the center, you will not be living the happy, full life that God wants for you. We must put ourselves second. We must deny ourselves. The second step, you've got this new illustration? The second step is that we need to worship God. We need to lift our eyes from ourselves and we need to look to our God and say, God, you will be first. I deny myself and I worship God. The third thing that we need to do is to serve others. Have you got this third illustration? You've got it, Ryland, very good. Can you see what it is? What's this shape? It's a cross. Now, I had thought, I explained to the guys this morning, when I was trying to do an illustration for Serve Others, I actually drew a hand, a hand with a towel over it, and it had a teacup, and it's like offering it like this. This is service, right? But then I thought that, that illustration probably isn't the heart of service. The best illustration that we have of service is what? Jesus dying on the cross. The Son of God who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what does the new story look like? Denial of self, worship of God, service of others. That will shape a fulfilling life. That will shape our New Year's resolutions. Now, at New Life, we have a way to talk about what we want to do with this story and those principles. So we come over here. At New Life, we're all about seeing New Life come to every home. And in order to do that, we need to be people who give the message of New Life. That's this side over here of our tree. Because if you found life to the full, it would be a tragedy if you kept it to yourself. Would that be right? I'm going to answer for you. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. If you found new life, right, it would be a tragedy if you kept it to yourself. So what we tell you is we'd love to see you connect, okay, to take a first step with people. We'd love to encourage you to care for them by seeking to be a blessing. We'd love you to, to communicate with them by speaking clearly about Jesus. And we'd love to encourage you to lead them to commit to Jesus as king by inviting them to repentance, faith, and baptism. 
So your New Year's resolution must involve some idea that your intention for this year is to love God and to help others to come to know and love him. That makes sense. What about on the other side over here? Over here we talk about living new life for Jesus. And we talk about being faithful, which is growing as apprentices to Jesus. Being adventurous, which is where we dare in the spirit. Being compassionate, where we living Jesus' call to love. And enduring, which is running to win the prize. Now, all of that, that's a lot of words, isn't it? All of that is about shaping our life in such a way that we're concerned to help others find new life and that we're concerned to be people who are changed by that new life ourselves. And so tonight, as we think about New Year's resolutions, we're going to use this as a framework for us. But I want to make the point, without transformation, these goals are no different. In other words, just because these are in church doesn't mean that you'll necessarily do them in the best possible way. Because it's possible for you to say, tell you what, I'm going to get right into living these four things next year. I'm just going to absolutely smash them out of the park. And that will help me to look better at church. People will think I'm awesome. If I can even remember those words, faithful, adventurous, compassionate, enduring. When Stuart comes up to me, I can say, I'm being really faithful. No, anyway, you won't. But, um, but here's the thing, right? You, you could be doing it. You could be pursuing these good things for reasons of personal upstanding and pride. Okay? And all I want to say to you is, without being transformed by God, they're no different to any other goals. In fact, I want to transform some of the ordinary goals that we often have. Now, I've got some, uh, some ordinary goals that you might have chosen for New Year's resolutions. Purely for preacher's fun, I've made them all start with F. Some of them work, some of them don't. But you'll, you'll bear with me, I'm sure. Uh, so the first one is to do with food. Uh, is anyone, don't, don't put up your hands high, but is anyone making some resolutions about food? Thinking about, this is going to be the year. And some of you have made great progress in this past year where you've gone, oh, I know you have, you've done really well. So you could make some resolutions about food. And I would say, if you're going to make a decision about food, go for it, that's great. But don't make food ultimate. Don't make food the most important thing. That reading that um, Kathy brought us from Philippians gave us some insight. It says to the people of the world that their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. So here's the thing. We can make food so important. I've got to watch my calories. I need to make sure I'm... We can make food so important that it becomes our God. It literally guides everything that we do in life. It becomes an ultimate where it doesn't need to be. And so I want to encourage you, if you're thinking about food, thinking about, think about it in terms of hospitality. Who can I have over? Who can I share a meal with so that my food discipline for this next year, my food desire is actually about fellowship and people? So that you can deny yourself. Please, uh, the Bible has lots of things to say about being gluttons, so deny yourself, that's fine. But use food as a way to serve others as well. What about fitness? I've got some fitness goals for next year, which is great. Um, Here's what the Bible says. I absolutely love this from uh, 1 Timothy 4. It says, for physical training is of some value. Great, but it goes on. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Do I want you to be fitter and healthier next year? Absolutely. Make some goals. And I know some of you are trying to do 10,000 steps a day or whatever it is. Great. If it needs to be 25 or 30, whatever it is you crazy people, go do it. Do your step challenges. That's fantastic. But here's the challenge, right? Here's the challenge. 
I reckon, I'm personally, I, I looked at my, um, my stats for my, my fitness, I think I spent 109 hours on the bike this year. Something like that, quite a lot. Now, I devote time to that. I work hard at that. And my encouragement to you, if you've got a fitness goal, is what sort of discipline, what sort of time does godliness get in your life? You see, on my watch, it'll tell me how many steps I've done so I can work hard and then I can text someone else and say, I've beaten them. When it comes to prayer, right, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to my personal godliness, it doesn't show on the outside. There's no app for that. And I certainly hope you're not trying to be better than someone else, right? But here's the thing. I want you to take the discipline that you would show for your physical goal and see if we can apply it in a godliness goal. Does that make sense? Some of you are going, I'm not, I don't care about my fitness anyway, so that's not a problem. In which case I'd say, well, care about the godliness and get more disciplined. So we want to be self-disciplined, deny ourselves, and we want to worship God. Uh, Lauren uh, sent a lovely little note to me this morning and said, but, but can you encourage them as we talk about fitness? Can it be a place for fellowship and friendship? So be fit, but be fit with someone else. I think it's a great idea, Lauren, and it's a wonderful way to make the thing that's good even better. What about some resolutions in areas like family and finance? Oh, I'll go back just a touch. Um, Jesus has lots of things to say about family. I think God absolutely loves family, okay? But family, just like food, is a good thing and not an ultimate thing. When family becomes the ultimate thing, it's a problem. So I want you to hear Jesus not hating family, but telling us not to make family ultimate. Have, Have a listen. He's pretty full on here. He says in Luke 14, if anyone comes after me and does not hate father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. So we think to ourselves, gracious me, I'm going to, my New Year's resolution is to hate my brother, is to hate my wife. Not what we're talking about. My New Year's resolution is to love my family after I've put God first. And we would always think, okay, so I must love my family less in order to love God more. And I'd say, no, keep loving your family as much as you possibly can and love God more. Do you see? It doesn't have to go down for you to love God. So I want to encourage you. There's a wonderful way that God talks about family. And uh, throughout the whole of the New Testament, it speaks like this in Hebrews. Keep on loving one another's brothers and sisters. You know what family can look like? Family can look like church. It can look like this being the place where you have a family. And so I'd love you to see church as family in this next year. What about our finances? I've got my monopoly uh, up there. I don't know. Do people make financial goals? Some of you are goal people. Probably some of you are like, I've never made a goal in my life. I wouldn't know what a goal is. Maybe your goal tonight is to make a goal. And uh, my wife will encourage me, not everyone is like you. Is that right, beautiful? Everyone doesn't have to do this. It's perfectly fine. I'm totally okay with this. I'm okay if you get the gist of this and don't do anything goalie with it. But what I wanted you to do, okay, is to think, is to think, can I order my life in such a way that I can direct it more towards Jesus? Here's here's what it is when it comes to finance. I'll pull it up in a second. I'm sure that you know this one. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, either will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So my thing would be, great. 
And all I'd say on the financial goal thing is, if you don't make any goals on finances, all I'd ask you is, how do you know your finances aren't eating you alive? I'm not going to think about money. I don't need to think about money. And all I'd say to you is, how do you know it's in right order? How do you know it is after God in priority in your heart if you never think about it carefully? And all I'd say to you tonight is think about it carefully. Get ordered in your life. And so I would love to see you, encourage you to, to get on with kingdom generosity. And what we found, Carol and I have found, is I, I can't be generous when I'm not organized unless I want to get poor really quickly. I, I can't be. I just won't be. And so I'd love to encourage you to be kingdom generous with your finances. What about our friends? Uh, If anyone's ashamed of me, Jesus says, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. All I'd say with your friends is, to do with this giving one over here, uh, do your friends know that you're a Christian? And if your answer is, oh yeah, those friends do, but... These friends don't. Do you have a place where you're an anonymous Christian? In which case, I just want to encourage you, keep connecting with people and keep owning Jesus where you are. There's a friendship goal for you. Make new friends and help them to know and understand who Jesus is. Now, remember I told you they're all Fs and I was bending a bit hard. Okay, I want to talk about happiness, a happiness goal. But happiness doesn't start with F. But do you know what Felicity does, which is wonderful? And do you know what Felicity means? Happiness. Wonderful. Great. So there's my totally wrangling this whole thing. Okay, so Felicity, let me talk about happiness. Jesus says uh, that you can't find happiness by just pursuing it. In fact, he says, seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, the trick with happiness is it's a derivative product. Uh, That sounds too much, doesn't it? What does a derivative product mean? If you chase happiness as your goal, you'll never get there. It will always remain elusive, happiness. If you make that central, you'll never get there. Love God and you'll find happiness. Pursue happiness, you'll be unhappy pursuing it. Now, I said that this morning and I got this wonderful, I love it when this happens, I got this wonderful uh, email from one of our um, older residents at Cheslon. This is from Jacques. He is 87. He emailed me, and this is what he said to me after the sermon this morning. Have a listen to this. Dear Stuart, I want to share something with you. I was pleased when you said that those who seek happiness will never find it. Happiness is the fruit that we enjoy when we live in faithfulness and with integrity. True happiness is a gift. It comes on the heels of faithful perseverance and obedience to the ways of God. Yours in Jesus, Jacques. That's a mic drop moment, isn't it? Walk off the stage. There we go. Sermon's preached. 87 years of following Jesus, and Jacques' wisdom for us is, don't pursue happiness. You won't find it. It's found with integrity, with obedience, with faithfulness. There's tips for young players, isn't it? So here's the thing. Be kingdom seeking, because in there lies happiness. Seek the kingdom. Now, for some of us, we might be seeking after uh, something like success. And success doesn't start with an 
S, oh, starts with an S, not an F anyway. As I said, fame, we're looking to be great at something. I, mean, I want you to be great at things. But when we say the greatness is about me, lifting me up, that is a problem. And I want to give you two scriptures that will set our desire to make ourselves better in right context. The first one are the two most important commandments that God gave us. Remember the Ten Commandments, no problems, we won't get you to repeat them, although Jeff could, he's ready to go right now. There's two commandments that God gave us as the summary of all the other commandments. Do you know what they are? Thank you, Kathy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, which is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. I think this is absolutely brilliant. Incidentally, I'll totally, just allow me a quick little sidetrack here. Here's the thing. This second part, love your neighbor as yourself, only works if you love yourself. So if you're into self-loathing, loving your neighbor as yourself is an appalling thing. I don't want you to do that. You need to find your worth in Jesus and then let that overflow in love for others. Do you see this? You have to have worth in order to love your neighbor as yourself. And so loving God first will give you the worth to love your neighbor well. Have I been too convoluted? Do you you get it? You think so. Okay, good. All right, that's good. The second thing Jesus says is if you want to follow me, it's going to be a life of happiness and, and joy. No, he doesn't. Here's what it says in Luke 9.23. Then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What does the life of Christian obedience look like? Denial of self, worship of God, serving of others. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily, he says. And so success for us should be to run long in loving and serving Jesus. And so we'll worship God, we'll serve others, and we'll deny ourselves. Therefore, I want to help you make some resolutions. Let your resolutions be prayerful. Let's pray about what we would resolve to do for the next year. Let's be prudent. Let's be wise. Let us be prepared. Uh, And I want to help you do that. I've got some sheets that I've prepared earlier. I'm so excited about this. So some of you haven't made New Year's resolutions and you won't, but I'm going to help you think about possibly not doing it uh, a little bit more. Um, C, can you help me? Do you want to hand them on this side? Kathy, could you just get them started on this side? That'd be great. Take a sheet, pass it round. Um, I'm going to tell you what this sheet looks like as you, um, as you get one. Okay. In order, to, um, in order to fill the sheet in, you will need to find... Have I got it in my Bible here? Maybe I took it out. Oh, don't have it. Okay. You'll need to have one of these as well. This is our, um, our guide to living new life for Jesus. Michael, could you grab them? I think they're uh, on the welcome desk, um, our little uh, brochures that look like that. So uh, here's the thing. In our, um, in our sheet here, if we kind of zoom in a little bit, what I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to think about possibly making seven resolutions for the new year, okay? That sounds a lot for people who aren't making any, is that right? Okay, bear with me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. So the first four, I want to encourage you to think about making godly goals that are to do with our four principles, being faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring. Thanks, Michael. Um, in this booklet, uh, this little handout here, we have, for each of these values, a set of questions that you can consider. And so, for instance, under faithful, it says, what are you learning as you read the Bible and pray daily? Okay. Now, my resolution under faithful is this. 
I want to be praying deliberately daily. Well, that's okay. I pray every day. I'm in my car. If I'm chatting with someone while I'm walking down the street, as I'm sitting in a meeting, I'm often just praying. And that's great. That's what we call arrow prayers, right? You're just talking to God all the time. But I want to be praying for stuff that I won't naturally just remember. And so I've got to do something a little bit more deliberately about that. So I want to pray deliberately daily. And part of the way I'm going to solve that is I'm going to update my prayer app with more stuff that I need to pray. Now, I don't care if you don't like prayer apps, okay? If you've got a journal that you've been doing for 27 years or something, knock yourself out. Go for God. I love if that works for you. But for me, it's an app. So I need to put more things in that I want to be praying deliberately for. And then I need to make a practice of doing that before I do anything else. Making the first thing I'm doing in this year is I'm going to resolve to go through my prayer app each day. Now, my app's fantastic because it randomizes my prayer points. It tells me um, things for my family, things for this church, uh, things about world mission, all sorts of stuff. I love it, okay? Do whatever is good for you. This is one example. So that's one resolution that I'm going to make. I'd encourage you to make four of them. So pick one of each of those. That'd be great. And then I want you to choose your own adventure with the rest. Pick three other parts of your life that you want to be better at. Okay, and make a resolution. I've chosen family, finances, and fitness, and um, my wife will be delighted to know uh, any number of the things that are in there, um, which I'll tell her about later. Now, I, I don't really mind what you do with this piece of paper. It might be useful for some of you who are wired up this way. If you need to turn it into a paper airplane and throw it into 2018, go for gold, Okay. What I want to do, though, is ask you, maybe this will help you think about resolving to make next year better with a godly intent. I want you to ask God to help you keep them, not just work really hard, because it's important from my perspective that if we have found new life in Jesus, that we make new New Year's resolutions. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to hand over to you if you've got any questions. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is an opportunity just by virtue of the calendar checking over, for us to think about our lives afresh. Father, I pray in this next year, you would help us to be more intentional in our godliness. Father, in other areas of our life, we would honour you and we pray that you might shape, inform and change us so that we'd be more like Jesus. We ask your help to keep the commitments we make and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excellent. Well, I've just been chatting about New Year's resolutions. Uh, do you have any questions? Are there follow-ups? Do you want to say, yeah, but, or what if I? Have you got any questions uh, for me about uh, New Year's resolutions? Who's got a follow-up? Why isn't uh, X, Y, or Z on my sheet? Incidentally, if you have a look under family there, I've got some other scriptures there as well, um, which are about uh, acting in godliness and taking right care of your family. Um, so you can see that on, on the left-hand side there. So uh, I didn't put them in the sermon because I thought the sermon would have gone for too long. But if you want to read them at home, they'll be helpful. Are you feeling like you're going to make some resolutions? I really would love you to, I, 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 seriously, I, I did this this morning because I figured I, I, should, um, I should practice what I'm literally preaching. Um, and I sat down and I went, actually, this is really helpful. I, I'm going to be, I'm just going to fall into a new year. I'm going to fall into a new year and I'm not going to have thought about my life very well. And so, in the end, 
if it can enable you to reflect a little, that would be great. Kathy, you're laughing because I found it helpful and I've made it. Is that what you're saying? That's perfectly reasonable. I think there's a lot of hilarity in that. Uh, <laughs> any questions? I'm going to stop talking now. Very good. It's New Year's Eve, isn't it? All right, good. We're going to, um, we're going to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper together. And in doing this, we're going to remember that which we need to keep ultimate in 2018. The Lord's Supper enables us to remember Jesus' death on the cross and his blood shed for us.